Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. We did it. We finished a whole six-part story in one day as part of our Canada Day Marathon. The Ice Warriors, six. Six. Yep. I uh, I think this is probably our, our last episode of Lazy Doctor Who for, for Canada Day 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found it very amusing that, uh, you know, fireworks will be starting here in like, I don't know, an hour-ish or something. And one of the doctor's lines in this story was, stand by for fireworks. This couldn't be more perfect. Also, apparently today is Sonny Caldenez's birthday. So happy birthday, Sonny Caldenez, who played one of the Ice Warriors. That's right. He played uh, Ice Warrior in all four classic series episodes and also played um, Kemmel in The Evil of the Daleks. Uh-huh. Episode seven of which went out on July 1st, 1967. His birthday. Hey. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that something? It's no. all coming together. I guess it's all coming together. <laughs> um... So yeah, what would you think of this one, of the wrap-up, the, the conclusion of the story? I liked it. There was a, there was a lot going on, because you had the doctor rewiring the sonic gun. Um, <laughs> I, I do like the symmetry of the totally sketchy science in episodes one and six. <laughs> the doctor suspects that the ice warriors are a lot more fluid than humans. We're like 70%. <laughs> There's what would make him think that they're more than that? Because they have a hard shell. Is that to hold in hold in the liquid? All the goo. They're just made of goo in a shell. And the idea uh, that the sound waves will get caught and bounce back and forth in their helmets. I, that just doesn't sound right to me. I don't know. I, 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 I'm not a sonic engineer. I don't know. Yeah. I. Uh, <laughs> some of the science is dodgy in this one. I don't know what Brian Hales' uh, background was mm-hmm. in regards to this. Or indeed, what Peter Bryant's background was in in trying to um, edit around those mistakes, but uh, mm-hmm. here we are. But yeah, no. So that, so that was neat. You had that. Um, I I thought it was very interesting that the doctor fully realized and admitted that there was a chance that he was going to kill everybody in the base, and yet he still wanted to do it. Victoria was like, "No, doctor, it's too risky." Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of with Victoria. I feel like if that's your risk, maybe. Maybe not. Um, and then down on the base, you had Penley changing the uh, changing the temperature and the oxygen level and the humidity and stuff to try to, and you know, it didn't entirely work, but it certainly discombobulated them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was smart doing that. Risky. Mm-hmm. Human risk at the expense of computer logic is the running theme of this story. Yeah, I don't feel like it actually works that well as a running theme people quite often like will stand there and expostulate about it but it doesn't really seem to fit into the story mm-hmm. all that well like it only pops up when somebody just is complaining about it but it's not a whole lot of a plot point except for just the fact that they are going to wait and it's like it, it doesn't really make any sense either because if the computer is really taking everything into account, then it would be taking into account the fact that not doing anything will mean it's certain destruction mm-hmm. by the glacier. So I feel like any actually halfway decently programmed computer would recognize that a risk of death is better than certain death. Yeah. Like that just doesn't seem too tough for me. No, but I'm not a computer, so I don't understand what it is. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a little thing that spins around in the middle. There's probably a little guy in there, a little technician who is actually sitting in the in that little uh-huh. computer prop spinning the thing around, which is kind of funny to me, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. 
Yep. So, 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 yeah, I felt like they were trying really hard to get that man versus computer thing across, but the mm-hmm. only way they did it was by speechifying and not by really having that play a major role in the story. So I, and honestly, I thought it was kind of superfluous. There was enough excitement and interesting things going on in terms of man versus glacier, man versus versus ice warrior, Victoria versus versus Ice Warrior. She's, mm-hmm. She actually realized uh, in the reprise, she's the one that took out the Ice Warrior with the chemicals. It wasn't the doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe he, the doctor loosened it because he was struggling with the, the top of that little vial there. For Maybe he loosened it, maybe not because yeah. the only one that got it open was Victoria. The doctor was probably trying to pull it and actually mm-hmm. probably Victoria realized you just screw the top off probably. <laughs> that could very well be it. Also, um, she oh when the doctor's talking about sound waves um mm-hmm. and she's talking about oh how they vibrate harmoniously through things and stuff and her so so my my theory about her learning stuff from her dad in our previous episode panned out cuz she was saying her doctor taught her do, her do, dad taught her that and the doctor was like all right yeah yeah that was bang on uh, on that one did you notice also how she disappears to the last half of the episode well the doctor sends her back to the TARDIS and says close the door which that seems like a thing that makes sense you know get somebody to safety she can't get jamie to safety because for for all they know he can't even walk yet so she just knows he's alive because deborah watling was unavailable for the rest of that recording for (laughs) recording session and so they quickly wrote uh the doctor like that little like you after the bit with the sonic gun and stuff she's not in the episode anymore when they come back into the base it's just a voiceover where you could Victoria says like two lines and the doctor sort of goes you know tell her okay go back to the TARDIS it's all fine mm-hmm. because she wasn't there anymore and I don't know what the reason was that Deborah Watling couldn't uh, maybe she's unwell or something like that but yeah she was like hastily written out on the evening of recording well given how much is going on Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it didn't seem to bother me at all. There were still plenty of people there, yeah. and like we talked about, Jamie sort of being sidelined throughout this whole thing. So, uh, having Victoria, let's let's face it. As I said before, she did a lot of the heavy lifting, so she's played her part. That's fine to send her back. Um, I also joked at the end. We see the TARDIS taking off from a standing position. Yeah. Um, and I pointed out that there were a lot of uh, earthquakes and stuff because of the glacier. So it's possible the glacier came up and like knocked it, yeah. or like the earthquake bumped it. But, but, but my actual headcanon is that Victoria went out and on her own righted the TARDIS because she's just that awesome. That is totally <laughs> it. She knows what she's doing. Like she had to flip that thing, mm-hmm. like it it materialized like at a, like a sixty eight hundred degree angle. So like the top of the TARDIS is actually mm-hmm. sliding towards the ground. Mm-hmm. So she would have had to f- not only just flip it up, but like flipped it up and over. That's uh, that's a lot for anyone to do. No no uh, disrespect. She knows science that her dad taught her. You know mm-hmm. a little bit, and I'm sure yeah. So Victorian science probably wasn't as advanced as current science but you know what right. they did have levers that's true levers if you want levers mm-hmm. maybe and, and pulleys i'm sure mm-hmm. like she she could have mocked something up and uh and yeah between between the the quakes and victoria just being great she righted the tardis so that you know because the doctor said you know go and close the doors if she just like jumped in she wouldn't have probably even been able to close the doors because mm-hmm. she would have just like slid down and landed on the console that's true mm-hmm. Interesting. Your theories are interesting. 
I like that it was um, it was Penley that made the decision. You know, that sort of keeping in line with the the doctor, sort of as helper, but not really at the forefront. I mean, he helped disable the uh, the gun, I guess, but it was actually Penley doing the deciding, um, and he sort of left it in the humans. And then, of course, they run off. Uh, who was that masked man style as a, as is a common theme through through Trout as well. Yeah, that's true. He like the doctor never made any kind of motion toward making a decision himself. It was just yeah, um Clint is like no, I can't. Mm-hmm. Um Jane's no, I I daren't, I believe is what she said. Right. And then the doctor just says, "So Penley, it's up to you." Yeah. Just just passing it. It's you know, sort of shades of Peter Capaldi in Kill the Moon. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Never thought about that. Yeah, because the doc, you know, he, he doesn't ha- have to make a speech about it. It's just, it's very clear. Mm. The doctor is the visitor here. Like, nobody else knows that he's not human. He almost mentions it in one episode, yeah. as a matter of fact. Uh, but he isn't. This isn't his planet. This, it, Even if it was his planet, this wouldn't be his time, probably. Mm-hmm. So... So yeah, it's the it's the locals that get to make this decision. Yeah, um, I I really like. I mean, it, it might be seen as sort of overacting, but I just I really enjoy Peter Parkworth as Clint in this and some of his stuff. I really like his last, you know, Penley, the most um, you know insufferable, insubordinate mm-hmm. someone it's ever been my pleasure to work with. I quite enjoyed that scene actually, and how he sort of says, "I always write my own speeches," you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really pleased about his character because remember in the first episode I was a little concerned because oh boy here's a uh, a character with a disability he he uses a cane and um and and has a limp and that just so easily could have slid into trope territory but no it's just it's not ever ever mentioned at all and he is one of the more well-rounded you know he's not a villain he's an antagonist through mm-hmm. some of the story but he's certainly not a villain and he has real growth and an actual arc to his character and i think that's that's pretty fantastic and a banging glass cane like that was a pretty cool cane yeah i totally did. i i think i i was uh, for some reason i thought like the the knob was glass when i first when you first mentioned a few episodes but it's Actually, I think the whole cane is kind of a perspex thing, so I, I misunderstood, and I thought that mm-hmm. it perhaps was Victorian, but no, obviously it's not Victorian. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely perspex or glass, and then on the top, there's sort of like, it, it looks like a carved jewel, of, yeah. you know, so, so it's like, it's crystal, so the top looks like, that oh. could have been a, a, a Victorian-style cane topper, but the cane itself, um, almost certainly not. Yeah, that's that's why I, I didn't notice the cane before, but I did that's notice right. the topper, and that's why I thought the topper was perhaps mm-hmm. Victorian or old. At any rate, well, yeah, that part of it could be, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I totally agree. His, uh, it, he, he was definitely shouty at times, but it seemed to always sort of make sense with his, you know, he's a buttoned up, even though they don't seem to have very many buttons on these mm-hmm. uh, wacky outfits, but the buttoned up, straight laced kind of guy. Actually, not a lot of laces either. Come to think of it, anyway, um, a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of swoops, and and we determined that the the change of outfits for Miss Garrett was because she wore it looks like like an overcoat essentially yeah. right yeah an overcoat so the the collar that's just white uh, and the thing with fewer peacocky swooshes is uh, a, sort of like a almost skin tight um, pantsuit like with shorts yeah. and then the coat over it looks uh, it's got more swoops on it and kind of does up somehow in the in the front 
Mm-hmm. We never actually see if it's a zipper or Velcro or what. It's not Velcro. No. I don't know if they have Velcro. I don't know. It's it's the weird future with uh God, I would have loved to have seen what those costumes actually look like. You know, because there were different shades. You could tell that there were colors, but they were designed to look that way on black and white television. But mm-hmm. yeah. Are there any promotional photos from this one that you know of that would have at least some of the colors in there? Because, yeah, I'd be very curious to see that, too. Twitter, tweet at us if you uh, if you know of, of, of such things. I only know of, I know there's a famous shot of the Ice Warrior itself on the uh, Ealing film set that is in color. Might have been for Radio Times, perhaps, or some other, you know, publicity thing. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen any pop up. Maybe on the photo gallery on this very DVD, we'll have a look when I show you the um, the 15 minute <laughs> recap as well. I want to watch the making of this thing because I am. Uh, it it feels very fresh to me, and I want to. I I feel like I want to watch this story again with like the info text on and everything like that. Because yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued by it. Well. Not tonight. No, not tonight. Just in general. I mentioned uh, at the beginning, it was sometime during the day, that this was a milestone episode story, if you will. And episode six was a milestone. Do you know, I'm going to ask you so I can tell you. Do you know what that milestone is? Um, Somebody's birthday? No. No, it wasn't that. That's fine, though. As I said, I asked you so I could yeah, tell you. The uh, episode six of Ice Warriors was the last Doctor Who episode to be made on 405 line videotape. The BBC was looking to begin uh, broadcasting in 625 line, like 50% more definition essentially like that. And so with the uh, beginning of production for The Enemy of the World, which was beginning airing in late December, they were doing the switch over on January 1st, uh, 1968. They started uh, producing it on 625-line tape. So um, by the time that uh, episode three went out on January 3rd, 1968, it was being made and broadcast on 625-line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, And that's the way it stayed until the new series essentially Whoa. like that because they stayed on that same so after this it's like in, in high definition so to speak yeah the ice force let's just call it definition yeah that's true so we yep so there we go so so the so there'll be an extra couple hundred lines of uh, of definition when we watch uh the next story which is the enemy of the world which we can watch because it's on dvd and it exists in its entirety now and it feels like we've watched it a lot as of late because yeah. it was on didn't we didn't you watch it for um verity and then it was on doctor who on twitch so it feels like this is not going to be as like the usual um uh undiscovered country that we've sort of been going through here yeah it was not that many weeks ago that i just watched it for mm-hmm. for verity but i really like it so i don't mind yeah, yeah I, I didn't know that about the uh the the lines of definition so now so now my eras of doctor who are low definition yeah. which is the previous amount definition which yeah. is what we're getting into and then high definition which is uh a new series um when did that start 2005. I know the new series started in 2005. But then there's also, it goes from SD to HD. So so it's not high definition. So it's low definition, definition, standard definition, and high definition. So yeah, I should actually say that uh, the definition we watch Rose in is the same as we watch The Enemy of the World. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering about yeah. that. 
Incidentally, also, uh, Definition was the name of a game show on Canadian TV, tying it back around to uh, Canada Today in the 1970s and 80s that I remembered. It used the song Soul Bossa Nova, I believe, which was used by Quincy Jones, which is used as the basis of the theme for Austin Powers. That was a theme song for that. And, of course, Low Definition is a game show on the Incomparable Network. So I don't know if there is a high-definition game show out there. We should we should come up with a high definition game show for the Incomparable Network's game show feed, which is one of the most delightful feeds on the Incomparable Network of all of the delightful feeds yeah. on the Incomparable Network, including this one for Lazy Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's us. That's yeah, us right there. Mm-hmm. Which we watched all six episodes of the Ice Warriors in one day because it's Canada Day, and that's what we do for you, the listeners. We don't be lazy for one day or three days, depending on the on the public holiday that we do, but Canada Day seems to be a nice little tradition. I wonder I wonder where we'll, where we'll be at Canada Day 2019. I'm mm. I'm assuming we'll we'll have exited the black and white era. <laughs> oh, I hope so. If not, then something terrible <laughs> has happened to us during the year. We've not been lazy and we've been too lazy mm-hmm. at yeah. that point. Come um, so yeah. Anyway, it's nice, um, as always, watching Doctor Who with you. And I like it when we watch a whole story in one day. It's not often we can do that, but it is a national holiday. And so that's what we did. Yep. And we've decided to be lazy and not actually go out and watch the fireworks outside. We would have to walk like an entire block, Ugh. block and a half away in order to see them well. So we're going to stand on our balcony and see the corners of them around a building instead. Yeah, there might be bears outside. I mean, they, you know, oh, yeah. we, they saw or, or wolves and stuff, so we mm-hmm. it's safer. It's safer in our apartment. Yeah, we should be wearing our, uh, our sweet goggles. <laughs> if only we had those. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of wearing those goggles, I would love to see somebody cosplaying any of the outfits, except for, not the Ice Warriors, like if, obviously people have done that, I, um, but the, the human outfits yeah. in, in this story were divine super psychedelic yep mm-hmm. 1960s yeah. now it's really happening yep okay is that it we're done i think that's a happy canada day happy canada day